keep those expectations low. You can set your hopes high if you so choose. But as exciting as a trade-up for a quarterback could be for this Titans team, I still at this point see it as... Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, April the 3rd. I'm your host, Easton Fries, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Monday, everybody. A little bit of a different situation for our show today. Just me, producer JT, is uh, on a trip with some family up in New Jersey. He will be back later this week, and him and I will be back and locked in starting Wednesday from Wednesday all the way through to the NFL draft, which is coming up in just under three weeks now. Time is flying by. And with the draft so close at this point to us and with so much planned for me and our content in this show in the next couple of days, I wanted to take an opportunity today. And I see there are a handful with you or a handful of you with me live already. I appreciate you all being here. I wanted to take an opportunity to have a more relaxed show, something we don't typically do on this show. I don't go live all the time. Obviously, we we do a lot of shows that we pre-produce, and that's part of the reason why we're able to have a higher quality product than many that do live shows because we can work in post-production and put together a really nice, clean product for you. Today, um, the podcast version will be that. I'll, I'll chop it up so that it's listenable. But for the live stream, I wanted to take things a little bit more casually. I wanted to chat with you guys about whatever is on your mind, whether it is the latest with the Titans, the latest around the NFL, the latest with the draft, thoughts about the draft now that we're at the two weeks and change point, almost three weeks point out for today's show, if you wouldn't mind going over and watching via YouTube so that we can communicate back and forth. Look at that JT all the way from New Jersey. Give me the thumbs up. Appreciate that for the rest of you. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Marcus. We are back. You're not sure what the issue was there. It just uh, the whole my whole browser just shut down and had to get back in, but I think we're good to go now. Um, like I was saying before we got cut off here, got a number of things that I have written down to talk about today. And then as we go, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, if you wouldn't mind going over to Broadway sports media's YouTube page, finding this live stream, I'm guessing if you just search the hot read podcast in the search box on YouTube and go to live streams, you will find this show. That is the only way that I can communicate back and forth with you all via this interface, not on Facebook, not on Twitter. So if you're watching there, great. But to communicate with the show, you got to go and watch on YouTube. So go over there, leave your thoughts, comments, questions about anything, whether it's the Titans, the draft, the NFL, life, whatever it is, let me know. And we can chat about that today because we've got a lot planned on this show coming up in the next three weeks that we're going to be kind of pedal to the metal, not really able to take a relaxed view to the show like we are today. So. This is your chance between now and the draft. If you have any big questions that you for sure want answered, if you have any prospects coming up in this draft that you want to know my thoughts on, I've got my notes here. We can pull those up and I can chat about them briefly. Just to give you guys a heads up before we dive into today's topics on what this show is going to look like for the next couple of weeks. We've got a, a handful of different series that we'll be doing, I think, at least in the two weeks before the draft itself. So next week and the following week. We may be doing more than three shows a week. We may be going to a show every weekday because we're going to be doing a lot of pre-recorded content this week and next. JT and I and some special guests we have lined up 
we'll be going through our, our biggest series coming up is the positional top 10 series. So we'll be going through our personal top 10 at each position in this year's NFL draft, discussing, debating, giving you guys a rundown on each of those players, what we love about them, why we like them, and then discussing, you know, whether or not we think they'd be a good fit for the Titans, for example. And then beyond those episodes, we'll be also doing a couple of different themed shows. Um, we've got a couple of ideas for unique and creative ways to talk about this draft class. Some ways that we can talk about guys that won't be available or excuse me, will be available on day two and day three so that you have an idea of who is available in this draft beyond just the blue chip day one prospects. We've also got a handful of people that potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, some guests that we just want to pick their brain on all things draft and the Titans coming up in the next week or two that we'll probably just have generic draft episodes with. So that's what the next couple of weeks look like for the show. If you have any thoughts on what you would like to see along those lines, feel free to let us know on social media or um, uh, in the comments of this live stream. And with that, we'll go ahead and dive into today's topics. The first of which is something that feels like it was many days ago. Turns out it was just uh, like three or four days ago. And this was the agent of Titans defensive tackle star Jeffrey Simmons, his agent, Paul DeRozel, put out a video on Twitter on March 31st, this, this past Friday afternoon at 4.31 p.m. He posted a video that now has 37.2 thousand views. And it is a contract signing hype video is the only way that I can really explain it. It is a picture of the agent, Paul DeRozelle, along with a picture of Jeffrey Simmons on the field side by side. Uh, bookending a video of highlights of Jeffrey Simmons playing. And the only comment on the tweet is a an alarm clock, a clock emoji. And so it sent a lot of Titans fans and the NFL world kind of into a tizzy last Friday. It's something that we have had folks follow up on. I followed up on this with a, a league source of mine, and I was able to co corroborate the report from my colleague and friend and friend of the show, Justin Mello, who tweeted out a couple of hours after this video was posted, because there seems to be some confusion on the timeline, the Titans and Jeffrey Simmons have not yet agreed to an extension per league source. Negotiations remain ongoing. I was able to corroborate that report about an hour after he posted that, saying not only the Titans, uh, have, not only have the Titans not signed Jeffrey Simmons to a new deal yet, but there is no reason to believe a deal is imminent anytime soon per my league source. And in, in my personal opinion, this is not sourced. This is just my read on the situation. As I've said a couple of times in the past month, I wouldn't expect a deal on this until the summertime. I don't think, and there are some things both on and off the record in my communications with folks in the league who I trust that are very close to this situation that I, I can't say specifically, but they have informed my opinion and that opinion is that I don't expect them to get a deal done anytime soon, or at least I don't expect them to be in any rush to get a deal done soon. I don't think that is the way that the Simmons camp is approaching this. I don't think that that's necessarily the way that Rand Carthen and the Titans front office camp is approaching this. I think that they are comfortable with one another, comfortable with where they're at in negotiations, and comfortable that they will get a deal done later in the offseason, but before the, the, uh, 
camps in July and August roll around and things start to get a little bit hairy with star players that you don't have locked down just yet. Now, many people responded to the reports saying that the Simmons has not been signed as well as the video itself. Well, if, if this is not an indication of the Titans being a, a, at a deal with Simmons, if it's not an indication of Simmons camp trying to push the Titans or express frustration with the Titans or whatever it may be, if it's none of those things, What's the point of posting this video? And I can't, this is another thing that I can't necessarily say for sure. Um, I can't source my, my explanation on this. All I can say is if you're looking for a reason, look at the thread on the original tweet. And that will probably give you an indication as to the reason why it was posted. Now, now that I've said all that I can say on that topic and Titanic chimes in PTSD from last year, wish it would get done before the draft. I expect a trade, unfortunately, um, Titanic. I totally understand where you and many Titans fans are at right now on the Simmons contract situation. I wholeheartedly believe the things that I have been saying about Simmons, that I'm not concerned about him remaining a Titan. I fully expect them to reach a deal. I expect that deal to come later than sooner. All of that being said, it is eerily similar to what I and others were saying around this same time last year about AJ Brown. I mean, we had we had head coach Mike Vrabel going on the Rich Eisen show saying in no uncertain terms, as long as I am the head coach of this football team, AJ Brown will be a Titan. Then that was ex expressly disproven on draft night. It, is the, it was the reason why I'd imagine now you have Vrabel answering questions at the owners' meetings last week in Arizona, for example, about Ryan Tannehill saying that. He hopes he's on the roster, but he's not going to commit to any of these players being on the roster in August when it's just now April. And uh, maybe there's a little bit of learning that went on there with with Vrabel not not getting too ahead of himself when ultimately it's not just his decision who is and isn't on the team. In fact, it's primarily the GM's decision. And while now with Rand Carthen and John Robinson out of the building there's a perception that there's a lot of collaboration going on there that, that Mike Vrabel definitely has a bigger say in the personnel situation for this team. It still ultimately is not just his decision. He's got an entire personnel department and a GM that he works alongside who are going to be finding a solution here. Um, Titanic, I disagree with you on the fact that it will be a trade. I, I don't think that it will be. I, I don't see a team necessarily as great a fit as the Eagles were for AJ Brown last year to come and get Jeffrey Simmons. I also, and this is something that I've talked about since the day Rand Carthen was high, actually since the day John Robinson was fired, really all the way back in November, I've been saying, I don't think I think you can think whatever you want on Jeffrey Simmons, what he's worth, what a deal for him would or wouldn't look like for the Titans going forward, what a good number would be, what a bad number would be, what his actual market value is. You can think whatever you want on those things. And I don't think any of it matters because I think the new guy, whoever he may be, and it turned out to be Rand Carthen, my take at the time was whoever the new guy may be is not going to be a moron. He's not going to look at the situation that, that just opened up the position he is now filling, where John Robinson made a, a bevy of mistakes that ultimately did him in over his last two-ish years as a member of the Titans organization. But ultimately, and most importantly, one could argue, the public perception is that this guy, John Robinson, the nail in his, the final nail in his coffin was trading away the, the best receiver that the Titans franchise arguably has ever seen in last year's draft. And that was the thing that 
right before he got fired. The week that he got fired was the week immediately after the Titans traveled to Philadelphia and got just their They got their teeth kicked in, in, in large part by AJ Brown himself, who had a fantastic day uh, over a hundred receiving yards. And I think two touchdowns, just, just an embarrassing, painful situation for the Titans and for Titans fans. That's not going to be a situation that the new guy comes in and decides, yeah, I'm going to replicate that pretty much exactly by taking the other guy that turned out to be a star from that same 2019 draft class and immediately with my first big decision, putting him on the trade block and getting him out of town. That's that's not the way that this new guy is going to come in and earn the trust of the organization and maybe more importantly, earn the trust and the backing of his new fan base. So I think that there is no matter what the number ends up being and no matter it, 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 it three years from now ending up being a win or a loss for the Titans in terms of the contract. I just think they're going to get it done because it's one of those things that it's not about whether it's the right move or not from a black and white pen and paper standpoint, but it is, is it the right move for a brand new GM coming in on the heels of a former GM who is only a former GM in the eyes of many in the public because of his inability to retain the other star player on this team. I don't think that this is going to be a situation where Rand pulls that trigger. Jacob Sane says the agent tweeted at me and said he muted replies because he was getting cursed out. LOL. And his daughter was about to go off on some people. Uh, that's interesting. I I've interacted with, with Paul on Twitter as well. Jacob, he seems to be one of the most open to engaging with the public agents in the league. And Hey, I, I respect that. I, I love the more, the more accessibility and transparency, the, the better. And, um, that was another thing that I think people saw as kind of confusing when he ended up muting the replies on that tweet, but it sounds like it was for unrelated reasons. Titanic replies, wouldn't it be cheaper to get it done now? Makes no sense to wait until August when he will probably hold out and be a distraction. So Titanic from the Titans perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It would be smarter every day that passes arguably reason. It's reasonable to assume we don't know this for sure, but it's reasonable to assume that with every passing day, the price tag on Jeffrey Simmons goes up because with every passing day, we're going to see more and more deals made in this defensive tackle defensive front market that continue to increase the overall market for Jeffrey Simmons. Him and his camp are interested in getting a market setting deal. Now that's with an asterisk because Aaron Donald has set the market at roughly $5 million, at least more than any other team is willing to spend on any other defender. He's one of one. We understand that. But besides Aaron Donald's albatross of a contract Simmons expects to set the market for everybody else and because this negotiation like all negotiations is a two-way street it doesn't matter what the Titans want ultimately it matters what they can get the other side to agree to and I am very very confident in saying that the Simmons camp is expressly in no rush they are not looking to sign a deal because of the exact same sign a deal right now because of the exact same reason the Titans are interested in signing a deal right now. They are interested in getting the most money possible. So, and they know that that number is likely to increase if they wait and get a deal done in the summer. So they are likely telling the Titans, we're in no rush. Y'all worry about the draft. You guys worry about the rest of your free agency, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk to y'all after the draft. We'll talk to you in June. We'll talk to you in July. Now, will that potentially become a distraction in August Titanic? Yeah, absolutely. If he's still unsigned and we start getting to, 
into more and more of the involvement in camp, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a problem, but that's something that we're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there, because I'm sure the Titans aren't interested in doing that. I can say anecdotally from, from a, I've spoken with Jeffrey Simmons a decent amount. And I feel like I have an understanding of him and his priorities from speaking to him. I don't think that he's necessarily interested in that. Now, if it comes down to it and he feels disrespected by the number the Titans are throwing at him, then maybe we get there. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that is going to jump at that opportunity. Um, and, and there's no telling what his what his team is interested in because it's a relatively new team. And I don't you know, I don't know anything about this agent based on his track record besides any interaction that I've had with him and, and seeing what he is about on Twitter. Uh, the Sobros Network. I'm assuming this is Stony, but if it's not, hello to whoever else is over there running the Sobros Network YouTube account. Asks, is Simmons a potential bargaining chip and a potential move up to three with triple eyeball emojis? Yeah, absolutely he is. Would the Cardinals be interested in getting him with that new defensive head coach? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt at all that they would be interested in getting him in a potential trade up to three. But that is uh, a kind of a perfect transition whoever is running the Sobros Network YouTube account, into our next topic, which is the madness within the AFC South in the past like 10 seconds or so, or roughly the last 48 hours. Now, I'll get back to this question expressly. Uh, is Simmons potentially a bargaining chip in a move up to three in just a moment? But I want to kind of lay out this whole topic, and then we'll dive into each team individually. I tweeted this out earlier today as an aggregation of all of the major reports we've seen in the past, again, 48-ish hours, maybe a bit more than that. But since this past weekend, hey, Stoney, what's going on, man? Uh, looking forward to, to grabbing a bite with you later this week. Stoney's the best, by the way. No free shouts on this show, but uh, for reasons that I cannot yet disclose, I'll just go ahead and, and give Stoney a free shout here and say, if you're not on his Patreon, if you're not subscribed to his big board, you're you're doing it wrong. If you want the, the best draft analysis in the entire Nashville media market from a from a video show broadcast standpoint, I still stand by it as this show right here, baby. But if you're looking to read the best, most detailed, most comprehensive write-up reports on these guys, it's Stoney's List. At last check, he's already over 20,000 words on the entire report. So go over to uh, Stoney's Twitter page. I know you can find the link over there. Or on the Sobros Network, I'm sure it's there as well. He's got a Patreon set up for his Sobros big board. He has really done the legwork on this draft class and knows what he's talking about. I fully endorse it. So go and check that out. Hopefully, Stoney, you and I can do a little bit more work on this draft class coming up in the next days or weeks. So here, here's the deal with these reports. We've gotten three significant draft-related AFC South reports from folks that are reputable sources over this past weekend. The first of which, well, actually, I don't, I'm not positive the order these things came out in. So in no particular order, you have from Move the Sticks on Twitter, which is Daniel Jeremiah over at NFL Network. He reported, I believe, on the Move the Sticks podcast last week that the Titans, based on his sources and, and buzz around the league, they are among the teams. I believe it, it was the Titans and the Raiders that were mentioned by name. They were among the teams most seriously exploring trading up to to that third overall draft pick with the Cardinals and that drew a lot of attention because the big the big question there is we don't know who's going to be available at 3 we well 
we'll get into those scenarios in a minute because it ties into the second report, which came from Peter King, who said that he's hearing, or at least in his opinion, based on folks he's talked to, the Texans at the second overall pick aren't necessarily a lock to take a quarterback. Now, that'd be really shocking to most. It'd be surprising to me, although I do understand the rationale for why potentially they may not do that. We'll explain that in a second. But finally, the last report from Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN, the Colts are being linked based on his league sources to Will Levis at the fourth overall pick. So between those three reports, the Titans being rumored to be interested in the third overall pick, the Colts being interested in Will Levis at the fourth overall pick, the Texans potentially not even interested in a quarterback at all at the second overall pick. These have all come down, like I said, in the last like 10 seconds. And it just lends to the fact that with the way that the AFC South is set up right now, I and I think I've said this on this show before, I think the next two-ish years are going to turn into a massive arm rate, arms race for the AFC South. I think that this division is firmly on the exact same path that the NFC East was on about two or three years ago when they were the NFC least. The Washington Commanders got into the playoffs with the division win at like seven and nine or, or six, not, six, nine and one or something. A horrible record. The whole division was trash. And then this past year, it was the best division in football. The entire division almost got into the playoffs. Washington just missing out. The other three teams getting in and all three teams making it to the divisional round of the playoffs. I think that the AFC South is absolutely on that track. If you see the Titans, Colts, and Texans all get new quarterbacks in the next two seasons, which is firmly within the realm of possibility, you could see this division going from last year, a almost top to bottom dumpster fire. The Jaguars are the only team with really anything to... Uh, brag about from last year had got into the playoffs at the last second and then had a really memorable playoff win against the Chargers in comeback fashion but beyond that not a whole lot to write home about besides the yet again historic impact of injuries for the Titans I think that you could see these teams go from least to beast very very quickly in the span of the next again two to three years let's dive into each of these reports one at a time uh, just to check our comments here. And by the way, little little midway show reminder, if you are not watching the show on YouTube over at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page and commenting on the comment section of that live stream, then you're missing out on the conversation. Would love to chat with you all today. Uh, Stoney, you're the man, Easton. Didn't have to give me such a strong shout out. And yes, let's do some work. Yes, Stoney, let's do some work. Appreciate you tuning in. You are the man. Logan says Titans trading up to three for Anderson as Carthon wants to remake the San Francisco defensive line. Hashtag four horsemen. Logan representing his very strong bid to be one of the original four horsemen, something that we will talk about on Wednesday. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to go back and listen to the last four or five episodes of this show. I'm not going to recap all that. You need to be a more loyal listener. You'd understand the horseman competition that comes to a head on uh, the, the next show on this feed after this one. So the Titans report from Daniel Jeremiah, we will save for last because, of course, this is a Titans show and it all kind of ties back into the Titans. Let's start with the Colts being interested at Will Levis at the fourth overall pick. Now, this is the kind of report that this time of year you have to you have to parse everything that is so strongly and specifically worded like this. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Because this is must-lie season. We know that the lying is out in full force this time of year. It is the kind of thing that is flying hot and heavy. And you'll often see, as we get closer and closer to the draft, 
very strongly worded reports like this that that contradict each other. Like on the same day, you could easily see a report that comes out and say, says the Colts are interested in Richardson at 1.4. The Colts aren't interested in a quarterback at all at 1.4. The Colts are interested in trading up to 1.3. These things will change 20 times before we get to the night of, which is all to say we don't really know and we won't really know until we get there. There are very few absolutes in any NFL draft. That being said, I'd be kind of surprised if it really is Will Levis who the Colts are most interested in at the fourth overall pick. I don't necessarily see them being right now in a headspace where they are comfortable with whoever at quarterback falls to them at four. I've kind of reached the point. My thinking has evolved on this. I'm like 65, 35 in terms of will the Colts take a quarterback in this draft at all? I I think everything continues to point more and more to the idea that this team is kind of stuck in as an in-betweener kind of kind of the odd man out however you cut the cake on the way that this draft unfolds it just feels like they're going to get the short the short straw however this this pans out and i don't know if their gm chris ballard is the kind of guy his track record indicates that he's not the kind of guy to make what you could argue is kind of a desperation move in just taking whatever quarterback happens to fall to them at four when they have at least one inner division rival ahead of them, potentially probably taking a quarterback and possibly two, if another like the Titans swoops in at the third overall pick or, or another AFC team like the Raiders comes in and steals the, the third quarterback and they're left with the literal scraps of this quarterback class. The Will Levis discourse has jumped the shark. And I've made that very clear in a previous episode. You can go and listen to that. I won't rehash all of that, but I, I do think he is a first round pick. Fourth overall would be a little rich for my blood. Personally, I'm very much stuck in the middle on the will Levis discourse. I think that he is easily the fourth best of the three quarterback prospects in this class. And yet I do think that he is firmly a top 10 pick and I don't think that he's this insanely bad player like many seem to think that he is. However, I just don't really see their new head coach, Shane Steichen, former offensive coordinator of the Eagles, getting super excited about the idea of Will Levis. I just, I don't know. And, and Logan Grady chimes in. Indie media keeps hinting at Buckner, uh, DeForest Buckner, getting a deal during the draft to, oh, excuse me, it sounds like you're saying Indy media is hinting at the Colts potentially dealing DeForest Buckner during the draft to accumulate capital. Um, I've not gotten wind of that Logan. I'm not refuting that, but that would make some sense. I'd imagine, especially if the, the team is embracing finally going into a bit of a rebuild situation as they've needed to for a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So Logan confirms yes, being traded away. So that's something that I've not seen, but it would not shock me at all if they are interested in trading him away to accumulate some capital. If they do that, it'd be interesting to see, do they use that capital to trade up and get the third overall pick or, uh, you know, maybe try to entice one of the top two folks off of their pick, which would seem foolish, but not impossible. I, I don't know what they would want to do with that capital unless they are truly saying this is a rebuild. We don't need our quarterback right now. We're going to put this roster back together. And then maybe we we tank with Gardner Minshew and be in the Drake May uh, 
Caleb Williams discussion for next year? I, I don't know. I, I've not really thought about that uh, as a possibility for them. The other, the second of the three reports was from Jeremy Fowler saying, or excuse me, from Peter King saying that the Texans could potentially pass at a core on a quarterback at 1.2 on the surface. This seems confusing, but let me explain what the rationale would be if they were to do this. I've seen many folks talk about this report on Twitter as this would be insane. You'd immediately have to say that this front office and, and head coach pairing doesn't work. You're going to have to go back to the drawing board, all these things. Eh, maybe here, here's the rationale because people forget the Texans have 1.2, the second overall pick. They also have 1.12. So what they could do here and what the, what the reasoning could be is you've got a defensive head coach in his first year, but he's a, a defensive savant, right? You've got a, a GM in Nick Casario who is very conservative, comes from the New England tree, is known to not push things when he doesn't believe that they're there, plays an old school style of, of roster construction. That is his game. You take those two combined with the fact that this team has the 12th overall pick, as well as the fact that Will Anderson will be there at number two because the Panthers are taking a quarterback at one. You could reasonably see the Texans deciding, let's take Will Anderson at the second overall pick because we think he's the safest pick in this draft. Heck, we may think he's the best player available in this draft. Some folks have him number one on their big boards. Let's take him. He can be very good for a very long time and be a staple of our team. You know, from a roster building standpoint, having guys, quarterback or non-quarterback, that are cornerstone foundational pieces of your roster is a very underrated element of, of roster construction. It's very, very important. So that could make some sense. And then, hey, you know what? Maybe we have a guy that we love in this quarterback class, but it's just one guy. And then the other three, we could take them or leave him. We can't take them or leave him. We, we don't have any one ranked above the other in a significant way. Or maybe they look at this entire quarterback class and say, we see a significant flaw or two for each of these quarterbacks, all four of them. We don't love any of them. We like all of them. So maybe they say, let's take Will Anderson at two. And then we can consider using that, that 12th overall pick, as well as the fact they have 12 total picks last I checked in, in the, in the, in the chamber here that they've got locked and loaded that they can use to trade back up. So between those 10 other picks behind their two first round picks, in addition to their second first round pick, which is the 12th overall, they could relatively easily make a, a deal if they were wanting to go in on two blue chip players. Let's get the second and the third pick. Let's trade with the Cardinals and go back up and we will maybe be the first team with consecutive picks in the top five. But hey, we're uniquely positioned to do it. Let's do it. Let's go get our quarterback and a stud defender. Or hey, maybe the Colts aren't in on a quarterback at all. Maybe we go to four or maybe the Colts want three and we, we, we go to four. There, there's a lot of a lot of options here for them. And while I do think it is much more likely than not that they don't let Stroud or Young pass them up, I do think there's a chance. And I and I do think when you try to put yourself in the minds of the GM and the head coach down there in Houston, it could make some sense. Now, whether you disagree, I can see you firmly disagreeing with this. I would disagree with that decision but I can understand it from their perspective and it wouldn't shock me entirely if they ended up doing it. 
Logan still interacting in the comments. Appreciate you, Logan. JMV, a local ESPN guy, wherever Logan is located, said that he is hearing the Colts could go with the quarterbacks they have and push for next year. Um, and follows that up by saying, my worry is the next QB class is always better. Yeah, there's certainly an element of that, Logan. That always seems to be the case. A year out from any given quarterback class, they're hyped up usually as better. There are some exceptions like last year's class of Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, but most of the time it's always looking ahead. Um, and so, um, Je excuse me, just making sure I'm getting all these comments here. Jacob saying that the Bama linebacker, oh, Jacob saying a Bama linebacker drafting a Bama linebacker. Yes, that is what that would be. And uh, would it shock you? Wouldn't shock me. It'd surprise me, but it would not shock me. Uh, let's move on to the last report here, the Titans report. And then I have some thoughts on this. So the Titans were reported by Move the Sticks and I believe corroborated by A to Z Sports Nashville here. Friend of the show, Buck Rising, wrote something on it last night I saw. But it, and I'm going to pull up the exact quote here from Daniel Jeremiah. Here was his quote from the Move the Sticks podcast last week on the Titans being interested in the third overall pick. He said, quote, can I give you the team that I've been told to keep an eye on that's exploring this and looking into this? Again, this is just people around the league who said, do not sleep on numero 11, the Tennessee Titans, the two teams to keep an eye on with trade-ups for the third overall pick were the Raiders and the Titans. And yes, it says here in the article, the A to Z sports is able, was able to confirm that the, the Titans portion of this report. So we've got multiple reputable sources here saying the Titans have expressed interest in the third overall pick. What can that mean? It can mean a lot of things. And here were my thoughts that I, I detailed in a, a tweet earlier today, but I'll just run them down one more time here. I, I think it is absolutely fair and reasonable for fans, especially fans that want a new quarterback in Tennessee, to be excited by this report that the Titans are exploring trading up. But I think that folks need to understand that it's just as likely, arguably more likely, that this smoke is merely that, just smoke. When you hear something this time of year, and this is the point that all of, all of the things we talked about today all kind of come back to, when you hear something this time of year, it's because someone wants you to hear it. So whenever you whenever you get word of a report, your first internal mental gymnastics should be, okay, I'm hearing this. Why am I hearing it? Who is it that's likely to want me to hear this? And why are they wanting me to hear this? So the question is, who wants me to know? Why do they want me to know? When we break that down for this report, it's certainly possible that Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel really do want to move up or really are interested in depending on how the first two cookies crumble in the draft really are interested in moving up. I think that is on the board and it's been on the board, but it's also just as possible, arguably more possible that they're simply doing their due diligence, preparing for every potential scenario. There, there's a decent chance that, I mean, listen, you, you have to consider what are the odds here? Okay. What are the odds that the, the, the per perceived top two quarterbacks in this draft, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. What are the odds one of those guys falls? Well, now that we've got reports, the Texans aren't necessarily interested in a quarterback at all at two, as well as reports since the Panthers traded up that they may be interested in Richardson. We don't know. There's been some rumors on that. I, again, I don't, I don't think either of those things are likely, but they're within the realm of possibility. I'd say that there's a 5, 10, 15, maybe even percent chance 
that one of those two guys gets to the third overall pick. And maybe the Titans are saying, well, shoot, if one of those guys is available at three, we need to be prepared to potentially pull the trigger to go up to three to get them. And we don't think that they will be, and we don't think that we're going to move up. But if they are, if we get to that point and the Cardinals are on the clock at three and you've got Stroud and or Young available, we need to be prepared with a package that we know could get us up to 12. Now, the price of, or it could get us up to three. Now, the price of the third overall pick is almost certain to change depending on who is available at three. And that's the reason why I don't expect the Cardinals or anybody else to make a, a deal for that for that pick to trade up to the third overall pick and let the, the Cardinals trade down until we get to the draft because I think that the value of that pick very much hinges on who is there. But again, if it's a possibility, the Titans should be, and it sounds like they are at the very least, doing their due diligence on figuring out, okay, well, if this happens, are we prepared to go up there and 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 take advantage of the situation. I think it's also just as possible that they are trying to go to another team like, oh, I don't know, the Colts, for example, to jump up to three instead of them. If a division rival such as the Titans, who for years you were the, the father of, but in the past five or so seasons, you have not only not been the father of them, they've been the father of you. And the rest of the league has largely been the father of you. You've been on a steady decline into disaster and disappointment for as long as Andrew Luck has been gone. Some of the fault of the organization, some not. I do think that there's there's some serious pressure there if the Titans were to really get the media machine rolling with this Titans moving up to three there. The Cardinals of the Titans are in communications for the third overall pick. They're fight. They're ironing out the terms. The Titans are seriously interested deal expected before the draft. Like th that kind of thing can really, really put the, the flame on the butt of the Colts organization to figure out what they're doing. And if they are interested in, in the third core over quarterback in this draft, they may very well say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't let the Titans do that. We've got to be the ones that goes up to three, that go up to three and not not allow the Titans to take the third quarterback out from underneath us. I think that that's very much on on the on the chessboard here. Again, it's within the realm of possibility. So I think that the Titans could be playing some chess and not checkers with this. All of that is to say, I would keep your hopes high and your expectations low for the Titans moving up to three or moving up at all. First of all, they won't move up if it if it is not for a quarterback. So if they move up, you can go ahead and say, all right, here we go. They're getting their who they think their quarterback of the future is. But I think it's much more likely they stay at 11. I think it's also more likely they look to trade down than to trade up still. I think that that is in their best interest. So keep those expectations low. You can set your hopes high if you so choose. But as exciting as a trade up for a quarterback could be for this Titans team, I still at this point see it as pretty unlikely Logan in the comments where you can join him by the way another quick plug if you are not watching this show over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page the live stream of this show is there and that's where you can interact with the show and get a comment on the screen like Jacobs that's been sitting here for a little bit again I would love to chat with you guys uh today today's show is specifically about having conversations with our viewers who I appreciate so much Logan says, my concern with Young, uh, Bryce Young, is his effectiveness with throws over 10 air yards. 
doesn't have a great intermediate to long game. Uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, Logan. It's not his strong suit, but in college, rarely is that the strong suit of any quarterback. Typically, even the guys who we see come into the league and, and become the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kyler Murray, the Josh Allen type, the, the, the Joe Burrow, especially last two seasons ago when they were a go ball style offense. Those guys typically in the NFL, they may become deep ball experts, but in college, college quarterbacks just aren't as developed. They aren't taking nearly as many chances. Now, there are some that love to air it out, and there are some programs that love to just air it out. The Mike Leaches of the world, like that, that rest in peace. That is the kind of team that you sometimes see do that. But for the most part, these top guys, they come out like many of the, the wide receivers and the running backs. They come out of, of situations where it was a lot of screen passes. It was a lot of read options. It was a lot of handing the ball off in, in short yardage. It was a lot of uh, crossing routes, looking for yards at the catch, trying to maximize the athleticism of your top athletes at the wide receiver position. Like it's not a whole lot of passing downfield because you have to have a real mismatch at the offensive line typically. And you have to have a wide receiver that can get down there and get open and make contested catches. And you have to have a guy who can make those kinds of accurate passes. And they simply aren't usually able to do that in college. Um, we can move on to the last couple of topics here that I have, which are just kind of news around the league topics. A tweet from Doug Kayed. I apologize, Doug, if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong. He's been a longtime reporter up in the New England area covering the New England Patriots. He reported earlier last week, or excuse me, earlier this week, that or weekend, that the Patriots are reportedly having talks about holding joint practices with the Titans this summer. Um, that is something that is, I don't really have any thoughts on other than just to report. Sounds like that's one of the teams the Titans could be practicing alongside. They've done so before. Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel, of course, long relationship. Mike Vrabel played for Bill Belichick for years and years and uh, is often mis misconstrued as a Belichick coaching tree guy. Not exactly, but they do have a longstanding relationship. This is another one, uh, another two that are, are small news topics, but worth discussing. The Colts on March 31st, as reported by my buddy Ben Arthur over at Fox Sports. He said the Colts have signed running back, former Titans running back, Darrington Evans, from the Bears, uh, according to the team's announcement on the 31st. The Titans 2020 third-round pick is back in the AFC South. So Evans was with the Titans, I believe, for two years, released in the preseason process at some point. I think it was during the preseason and was uh, dealt with a number of injuries in his time with Tennessee. Really, that's what derailed his time with the Titans and derailed his career for the most part. Went to Chicago, didn't do much of anything there. Now he's back with the Colts. Don't know what the terms of that contract are, but uh, it is it is something that is, is worth noticing. Um, yeah, Darrington Evans, former Titan, back with the Colts. Not a not a, a big signing, uh, but interesting to see him back in the division and and with the Colts having uh, not issues at running back. Obviously, they still have Jonathan Taylor, but they don't have the depth that they once had. Naheem Hines now in Buffalo. I, I unless I'm off the top of my head for getting another stud running back for the Colts, I could see Evans being in the competition at least for that backup running back role. He's the kind of guy that is a nice compliment to Taylor. Again, if he's healthy, Evans, at least on paper, is supposed to be the kind of guy that's a third down back, good enough pass blocker, a threat in the passing game, as well as a threat to run. 
So we'll see if that ever pans out. The other signing in the past couple of days in the AFC South that's worth noting is the Titans agreed to terms with tight end Trayvon Wesco as well as center slash guard Corey Levin. Levin has been with the team on and off for years now. It's going to be a competition, I believe, at the center position between Levin and Aaron Brewer when we get to August, which should set up for a, a, a nice competition. I know a lot of folks don't love to see a, a ton of competition during the preseason. They like to see guys be able to settle into their position and put together some some continuity, some unity, some togetherness. I understand that totally. But frankly, where this offensive line is right now, which is completely deconstructed, it needs reconstructing. So let's get the best guys in the best positions would be, I think, the most reasonable approach. And I think that's the approach the Titans are going to take. So I think we're going to see some competition. And I fully expect Levin to be in that competition for the, the center position now that Ben Jones is no longer with the team. Trayvon Wesco is a guy that the Titans signed. I forget where he came from. Um, I want to say he was a jet. Let me double check that real quick, just so that I'm not spreading misinformation. Trayvon Wesco came from, uh, excuse me, the bears, the, the bears to Titans pipeline finally goes backwards for once. So Trayvon Wesco, the former bear is the tight end that the Titans have signed, brought in for, I believe just one year now. He is essentially your replacement for a tight end who will remain unnamed Jeff Swain uh, that the Titans faithful have wanted off the roster for a while now. I think that this all but confirms Jeff Swain is not being brought back. I think that he is not just your Jeff Swain replacement. Uh, okay, so I'm not crazy, Logan. Thanks for the, the alley-oop here. He was a Jet, then he was a Bear. Now he is a Titan. He, Trayvon Wesco, was among uh, among all tight ends last season with a snap threshold of, of 100 snaps. And this is a stat that our buddy Mike Herndon found. Wesco ranked sixth in run blocking and eighth in his pass blocking grade in 2022, according to PFF. Not really a pass catcher. He Herndon compared him to Craig Stevens, which Titans fans. Yeah, there you go. Jacob nailed it. Craig Stevens 2.0. That's the idea. That's the hope. If he can come in and be that true, not really a pass threat, but he is our inline blocker. He is our extra offensive lineman on the field, and he's going to mess you up. Great. Titans needed one. They upgraded from Jeff Swaim to this guy. Wesco, I think Titans fans should be really happy about because not only does he mean the uh, the end of Jeff Swaim, I would imagine, but I think it also means an increased ability to have a jumbo package in there that is a, just a road grading, mauling, run blocking package or or have a a jumbo ish package in there that is able to be a max protect group and put the the best pocket around to Ryan Tannehill or whoever the quarterback ends up being next season, which, of course, Titans fans know Titans could really, really use. The last thing I want to talk about today that I have written down, and then if we can continue to chat if folks have any any questions, comments, we can continue to do that. But the the tweet that I wanted to highlight, and I've, I've shouted out like a ton of folks in the Titans media community today. I, I should be getting paid for this, I guess, but I'm going to shout out another one. Uh, a colleague and friend of mine for a while now, Zach Lyons, you know him over at Football and Other F-Words, a football show on the 440 Podcast Network, um, stackingtheinbox.com, where he does a lot of great writing, formerly with Broadway Sports Media, still with Broadway Sports Media, with Football and Other F-Words, and we, we love working with him. He tweeted this out over the weekend, and I thought it was worth bringing up because I thought it was a really, really intelligent, not not 
observation, but connection that he's made here. So he tweeted, I just collected data for wide receivers drafted by the Rams, 49ers, or Rams and 49ers when Rand Carthen was there. And from every wide receiver drafted by the Titans in the John Robinson era, only one wide receiver in this year's NFL draft meets slash exceeds the average data points for the following categories. College dominator rating, which is a, a special proprietary number that you don't need to know the meaning of besides it's just how dominant were you in college, your yards per reception, and your target share percentage. He had folks guess. Somebody ended up getting that right uh, just to shout him out, I guess, since I'm giving out all these free shout outs. At KAIX808 tweeted the answer, which was Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. Uh, which Zach replied, nicely done. The answer was Tyler Scott. The historical trend based on Carthen as well as the Titans under John Robinson uh, eras, the common trend has been a college dominator rating of at least 34.72%, yards per reception of 15.2, and a target share percentage of at least 24.8%. Tyler Scott, in his final year in college, had a dominator rating of 41%, a, a comfortable six plus points ahead of the, the benchmark 16.6 yards per reception, which is 1.4 yards per reception above the benchmark and a target share of exactly the benchmark 24.8%. He also notes that as we've talked about on this show, a couple of times now in the news, the Titans have shown considerable interest in Scott. Now we might can go ahead and take this opportunity to talk about Scott. And again, shout out to Zach Lyons for, uh, finding that connection, putting together those those numbers. I had never actually, hand, in, hand up, I had never heard of college dominator rating. I don't know how that statistic had evaded me forever, but that's a new one to me. It's a, it's a fascinating one. I'll be sure to look at in the future. Um, when we look at Tyler Scott, and I'm going to pull up some of his numbers so that we can discuss him more thoroughly. One of the two receivers that are being talked about out of Cincinnati this year, he's the consensus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wide receiver. I'd tell you what number he is on my board because I now have a top 10 at least board for every position in the draft, but we're going to save that just a little tease for our upcoming top 10 episodes. Um, he is one of my top 10 receivers in the draft. I don't know if I'm as high on him as the rest of the draft community is. Um, pulling up his measurements here, he is 5'10", 177. I'm actually going to go to his mock draftable web so that we can look at all of his percentages. Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. He, he has very much a athletic freak, physical, not freak profile. You see this a lot with folks. I mean, the biggest example this year is a guy who's mock draftable web. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the webs with the height, weight, arm length, hand size, 40 yard dash vertical, all, all of the measurables in a big circle. And then you get the percentages filling in and then you get this web, right? So you can see what percentile these players are. Uh, uh, in a in a pool of their of their peers in the last twenty five some odd years, this is a a very much a a Nolan uh, Smith out of Georgia plot in, in the sense that it is this guy is not big or physically impressive, but his athleticism is very impressive. He is the ninth percentile in height, fifth percentile in weight, twentieth percentile arm length, twentieth percentile hand size but his 40 yard dash is 76th percentile 10 yard split is 80th percentile vertical jump 89th percentile and broad jump 96th percentile. So his top end speed is, is well above average in the top quarter quartile 
and his his burst, his his juice, his ex- explosiveness is the word I'm looking for. His broad jump and vertical jump, the best indicator in his 10 yard split, all the best indicators of explosiveness on this chart. They're the 96th, 89th, and 80th percentile. It's pretty ridiculous. Again, for exact numbers, 40-yard dash, he ran a 4-4-4 at the combine. His 10-yard split is a 1-5-1. Very good. Very, very good. Um, 177 pounds, 5-9 and 5-8. So again, the size is what concerns you the most. But what have we heard the Titans talk about this offseason? Especially at the very end of the season, at the, the, the kind of the postmortem of the regular season. You've heard Mike Vrabel in particular talk about how this team absolutely has to get faster. And then you've had folks like Paul Kaharski, who's a friend of the show, friend of the network, on, on, on the network, fellow member of the 440 Podcast Network. Check out the Paul Kaharski show. Man, I am a charity today with the shoutouts. Um, the best reporter in town for my money has asked the question, well, does getting faster at the expense of size, which historically for the the Mike Vrabel era of football in Tennessee has been the one the a thing. We're looking for big guys. We're looking to be an off the bus team. And by that, if you've never heard it of an off the bus team, you want to be the team that when you get off the bus, the other team is shaking in their boots because you are just you, the eye test, you are physically daunting. You are a, you are a varsity squad through and through getting off the bus, a bunch of big boys that want to come and play muddy, ugly, physical, violent football and beat you up. That has been the Titans identity. That identity does not go hand in hand very well with being a very fast team. And because of that, the Titans have not been a very fast team. Now they're expressing interest in getting with the times a little bit, not zigging so much when the rest of the NFL zags, joining the zag team and getting a little bit faster because speed kills and speed is slowly, I guess quickly now (laughs) becoming king in the NFL. That typically means you got to get guys that are a little bit smaller. And this would absolutely fit that bill, right? A 4-4-4 guy with crazy explosiveness can get off the line in the in the blink of an eye, but he's not even 5'10", and he's not even a, a buck 80. Is that is that the kind of lengths they're willing to go to? Kind of sounds like it, and kind of sounds based on their interest level in different receivers, like they are most interested in guys that are a little bit faster and a little bit smaller in this year's draft. Luckily for them... This entire draft is a bunch of shrimps at the wide receiver position. So that's something that there is an abundance of the Josh Downs, the Zay Flowers, the Jalen Hyatts, the, uh, the the Charlie Joneses, the the Tyler Scotts of the world, just to name a few. The, these guys, Jordan Addison, all these guys are real small. And uh, I, I fully expect them to look into these folks. But yeah, Zach making a good point about Tyler Scott. I think that he should absolutely be on your short list of guys. If not that you want the Titans to draft, at least on the short list of guys, the Titans seem most interested in potentially drafting in that second day window, second or third round, if he is still available. Logan points out, would you rather, and this is a question which we can go ahead and I've, I've exhausted my topics for today. So if anybody has any questions or comments, this is this is your last chance. We're gonna I'm gonna get off here in just a minute when I run out of questions. So if this is the last one, so be it. If anybody else has any comments, appreciate you being with us live. Make sure to go over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, leave the comment there, and we can chat about it. Logan says, Would you rather trade up from second pick to get both OSU tackles or drop back from eleven and get both Oklahoma offensive linemen? Interesting. So it sounds like Logan in this hypothetical, you're saying you can you can give up your second round pick to go up into the first and get both 
Ohio State lineman, in which case that you would obviously you'd have to you'd have to give up some more than just a second round pick to go up to that one. But I, I understand what you're saying and not have a second round pick as well as some other capital so that you can go and get, and I'm pulling up all the names here just so that we can talk about these guys by name to go and get Paris Johnson Jr. As well as um, uh, Dewan Jones or trade back, get some more capital, which you've not, you've not named here, but one can imagine to get um Broderick Jones, you said, oh, no, not not Georgia offensive lineman, Oklahoma offensive lineman, which means that you would be getting uh, Wayne Morris and uh, Anton Harrison, which Morris uh, is listed as a tackle as well as Harrison. I, I don't know, I mean, but whether it's an interior guy and a tackle or two tackles, um, that's a good question. I would rather move back. Hmm. Uh, the second I said it now, I'm not sure. You know, generally speaking, Logan, I would move back because I want this team to trade back because I think that they need more swings of the bat. But I am, this is a tough, you've put me in a tough situation here because I am pretty on par with the consensus on the Ohio State guys for Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones. I think that they are appropriately ranked as the 10th and 39th overall consensus guys. I am lower than most on the Oklahoma guys. Harrison is ranked 31st overall. I wouldn't take him in the first round. I think that he's a beginning of the second round guy. Personally, I just don't think that he's going to be a stud tackle in the NFL. I think that he'd be the best, maybe the best budget tackle in this draft class. If you could get him at the top of the second. And then Wayne Morris, I've not, I'll be honest. I've not done a ton of tape study on him. All of my analysis on him has been listening to folks who I trust and looking at his numbers. I'm not crazy on him. He's the 117th overall prospect, so you could theoretically get him in the third round. If that's if that's what it means that they can draft somebody in between those two guys, um, then maybe. But I just I'm not crazy about him in terms of the guys that would be available in that same area. I'd rather have a Tyler Steen or a break a Blake Freeland or a Jalen Duncan out of Maryland or a Matthew Bergeron out of. C I mean, I'm looking at the whole list like. I'd, I'd rather have all those guys than Wayne Morris. I just, I'm not crazy about him in particular. Um, Logan says, right. Lose capital to gain Jones or gain capital to get both Oklahoma guys is the gist. And yes, like Sobro's network, Stoney points out, Logan is dropping puzzles in the chat today. Agreed, Logan. So in this one, I would actually say trade up. Although my general philosophy dictates trade down. I just really don't like the Oklahoma options in this year's draft. Stoney says, Easton, we need some hair tips. The flow is looking locked in today. Thank you very much, Stoney. I actually changed my hairstyles in like December. My wife, and you know how this goes, the old ball and chain decided that I needed a, a, a change up. I fought her on it for about a month and then caved and changed it up. She ended up being right. I like it different. It's a nice change of pace. Maybe a little summer look. Maybe I'll go back to the longer look in the winter. Um, just... Uh, my hair tips are don't be afraid of using product and don't be afraid of a hair dryer, fellas. Boys can use hair dryers too. It's not girly to use a hair dryer. Make that thing look good. Who cares if you have to use a little hot air to uh, to style it up a little bit? A comb and a hair dryer never hurt anybody. Those are my only tips that I have for you there. Jacob says, can't wait for the top 10 kickers in the draft episode. <laughs> also, did JT get scared off for good because you didn't value him? Uh, no, first of all, Funny, we're not doing a top 10 kickers episode. We're not doing special teams, guys. Um, 
We will do all 11 main positions. We will do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, tackles, interior offensive linemen, D tackles, edge players, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. Whether those are individual episodes or not, we don't know yet, but we will be doing all, we will do a top 10 on each of those positions. Uh, Logan is heading out. Appreciate you uh, being, yeah, I'll check my DMs, Logan. Appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, Jacob, did Jacob get, did JT get scared off for good because I did not value him? No, he did not. He, uh, I forget what he's in New Jersey for today. I think it has something to do with his grandfather who happens to be a New Jersey high school basketball coaching legend. I think that they're honoring him at, at his, at his school. If I'm not totally missing that up, JT, sorry if I am, but I think that's what he's doing. So he's on a little bit of a family trip this weekend, told him I would be able to handle today because him and I are going to be locked in for the next oh, 21 some odd days uh, before the draft. So yeah, that's where he's at. Um, and I think that's where we're at today. We're at an hour 12 and this has been a all over the place episode, but that's what we said it was going to be. So unless anybody has any last minute questions to throw into the chat, I think we'll be calling it there just again to give you guys a heads up. We've got top tens on each position in the draft coming up. We've got a, at least three or four different special guests that we have in the next two weeks. I mean, folks, we are, I think that I'll tell you exactly how many days away we are from, from the draft. We are excluding today. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. We are 24 days away. So through, yeah, three weeks and some change. I kept saying two weeks and some change. Maybe my anxiety got the best of me. It's three weeks and some change. Uh, thank you to Stoney for for hanging out with us. It was fun. It was very fun having you in here, Stoney. Appreciate you. Talk to you later this week. And I'll talk to the rest of you guys later this week, where on Wednesday, don't know whether we'll be doing a top 10 episode yet on positions. We probably will be. So be ready for your t first top 10 episode on positional uh, guys for, on, for Wednesday's episode. And then uh, be ready for some special guests coming up, some special formats of the show. Again, I, I don't want to give away too much. We've got a couple of different ideas for shows where we can dig into some later round prospects. Um, a lot of awesome, exciting stuff. We've also got an announcement on the horizon for what our draft night situation is going to be. If those of those of you that, that were with us last year at this time, you know that we did a, a big live stream the first two nights for the first three rounds on Friday and Saturday, or excuse me, on Thursday and Friday. No, wait. Yes. Thursday and Friday night. I've thrown myself off there. Thursday and Friday night. We'll be doing a round one and then a round two and three live stream, maybe beyond that. Um, but, but that's, that's all that's locked in. We've got some special guests. It's going to be a joint collaboration with a handful of the very best local draft analysts. So, We'll announce that when we can announce it, ironing out some details on that this week, but it's going to be bigger and better than anything we've done before on this show with the Broadway Sports Media and 440 Podcast Network, and we're super, super excited about it, so make sure to tune in uh, for the next couple of episodes because we'll eventually be announcing what that's going to look like. Until then, I've been your host, Easton Freeze. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Producer JT will be back on Wednesday. We will be back on Wednesday. We'll talk to you first thing Wednesday morning. Until then, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great couple of days.